0: I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. The gene editing technology known as CRISPR is one recognition as a powerful research tool. But a new study from scientists at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto is hailing the technology for its potential therapeutic applications. The study, published in the December 10th online edition of the American Journal of Human Genetics, shows how researchers, for the first time, used CRISPR to remove a duplicated gene from a genome and restored the function in the gene that causes Duchenne muscular dystrophy. We spoke to principal investigator of the study, Ronald Cohn, Chief of Clinical and Metabolic Genetics and co-director of the Center for Genetic Medicine at SickKids, about the study, the next step to advance the work, and the potential of the gene editing technology to be used in the treatment of a broad range of genetic diseases.
1: Ron, thanks for joining us. Thank you for your interest.
0: We're going to talk about a recent study led by the Hospital for Sick Children that used CRISPR, new gene editing technology, to remove a duplicated gene from the genome of a a patient and the significance of this. I thought we could start with the CRISPR technology itself. For listeners who may not be familiar with it, can you describe what it is?
1: So CRISPR is... A technology which allows you to edit the genome pretty much anywhere in the genome you would like to do this. And while we already knew about other genome editing technologies within the last ten, twelve years, the power of CRISPR is that it's really fairly easy to use. It's very specific to what you're trying to target. And <clears throat> also, it's fairly um cheap to use, so a lot of scientists are able to utilize this technology without a huge amount of cost uh, to the budget of the laboratory and I think taking all these things, the three things together, you are now able to do a lot of basic science as well as clinically therapeutic science experiments which before only very few people, people were uh, able to do
0: well you do say that CRISPR has primarily been used as a research tool. Your study suggests it can have enormous ramifications for therapeutic applications can Can you explain
1: absolutely so you know as a pediatrician and geneticist, uh, I'm dealing and I have been dealing for most of my career with patients where I sometimes wasn't even able to make a diagnosis, but now with next-generation sequencing, we are more and more able to establish a genetic diagnosis, but often don't have the ability to really think about treatment options uh, other than supportive care and supportive management. With CRISPR, you have now a technology at hand that... That allows you to conceptualize treatment opportunities for your patients for the first time ever. So the technology can be used to do lots of different things. You can use it as genetic scissors to remove certain areas within the genome, which is what we did specifically within our uh, experiments, targeting the duplicated areas within the genome. You can also start to about how you can edit a mutation, meaning you can cut out a piece of DNA that carries a mutation and replace it with the correct version of the sequence. And on top of this, another big area where you can use CRISPR is that you can, without necessarily cutting out DNA, but you can change the expression of genes that may play a role in the pathogenesis of any kind of disease. So you have like three very powerful opportunities. That allow you to think now, for the first time, how could I try to make a difference from a therapeutic point of view for many of the children and patients I think?
0: Well let's talk about the study itself, which was meant to show how CRISPR could be used to modify a genetic disease. And in this case, use cells from a 14 year old patient with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. This is a degenerative neuromuscular disease that results in premature death. Can can you explain Duchenne from a genetic
1: point of view? So Duchenne muscular dystrophy is one of the most common forms of muscular dystrophy, affecting about 1 in 3,000 boys. It's an X-linked inherited disease. That's why it's affecting mainly boys. And it's, like you said, it's a progressive disorder where boys over time become weaker and weaker, uh, and often end up in a wheelchair around the age of 11, to 13, 14 for most of the patients. And then also uh, become, when they get older, dependent on ventilatory support to help breathing. They get cardiac muscle involvement. And although I would like to be a bit more careful in saying that patients don't live past the age of 20, because they have become very... Efficient and good in managing these symptoms, so that many Duchenne boys actually are now reaching adulthood, and that many Duchenne boys uh, are now going to college and start a education sometimes. It is obviously associated with an enormous impact on mobility and uh, overall quality of life. But from
0: a genetic point of view, what what's happening at the genetic level?
1: From a genetic point of view, Boys with uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy have a mutation in the gene called dystrophin, and there are different types of mutations then that can give you Duchenne muscular dystrophy. You can have deletions of one or multiple exons. You can have point mutations where you have just one single piece within the DNA that's altered thing that can give you Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and then you have about 12 to 15 percent of boys that have a duplication of certain uh, exons or just a single exon. And all of these three uh, causes can give you Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy. Our laboratory primarily focuses on the removal of duplicated regions within the dystrophin gene. Because if you think about all the opportunities that CRISPR potentially can do, one of the really lower-hanging fruit is simply use this as genetic scissors, cut out a piece of DNA, and then wait for the cell to repair this cut. And in case of duplication, what you try to do is you try to remove the duplicated area, hope for the cells to repair this in a way that you restore the normal wild-type gene. And that's exactly what we did.
0: Oh, I mean, walk me through the the study itself.
1: So when we started to first think about that, this should theoretically be possible. We tried this in two different, very different conditions. One um, was a patient of mine who has a duplication also on the X chromosome that contains a gene called MECP two, which gives you a developmental delay and some cognitive abnormalities. But I also turned to the patient uh, you were referring to with Duchenne Muscular Dystrophy who happens to be the son of very, very close friends of mine in the UK and I actually remember the day when I called the mom and said, you know, I think in theory we should be able to do this in muscle cells of your son and ask her whether she would be interested that we're going to try this and obviously she was very excited and I... Received his muscle cells from the, uh, from the UK in London, and we designed a strategy that allowed us to use actually only one genetic scissor. It's called RNA guide instead of two. Initially, the concept we were developing is was targeted towards using two different uh, scissors, but we were able to identify a methodology and a technique that allowed us to actually only use one, which is very important if you think this further from a clinical perspective because, A, using only one of these RNA guides decreases the chance of off-target mutation. B, if you think about that, this obviously needs to be somehow delivered to living organism. If you have to package only one instead of two, much easier to do this in terms of the size that has to be packaged in some kind of vehicle so we did the, we designed the study like that and were able to remove the duplication in the muscle cells of this boy with the dystrophy and I think what was most exciting is that in theory what you would expect is this is successful that you restore the full length dystrophin protein which is generally completely missing boys we were able to show this in the muscle cells at this point
0: so what does your study demonstrate what are, what are its implications
1: i think our study demonstrates the critical proof of concept evidence that this is actually doable so like i said i think we were the first group to show that this CRISPR technology can be used to remove duplicated areas within the genome. And now where we have pretty much corrected the genetic mutation in a Petri dish, we can now move on and design experiments to think about how to do this in a living organism. Because that's the next step. Because no one really has shown quite yet that whatever you can beautifully do in petri dishes and cells of all sorts of types can actually be done in vivo.
0: So So, what what would it take to turn this approach into an actual therapy for Duchenne? What would you need to be able to do once you've modified the genome of cells taken from the body?
1: So I think the next step is to recreate uh, the duplication uh, of this boy in a mouse model. That's exactly what we're doing right now. We are like one-third on our way to get there once you have a mouse that carries this duplication you can then try to administer this CRISPR RNA guide and see whether you can remove this duplication in a living organism. if you can do that and everything speaks for the fact that it should theoretically be possible we just need to demonstrate and see it then you really need to start conversations with regulators, ethics, uh, policy makers, as well as industry partners, what are the next steps now to develop this into an actual therapy? I don't have a clear answer for you uh, what these steps really are. The only thing I can tell you is that I am working with a team of representatives from all of these groups I just mentioned, and we are discussing what the path forward to a real therapy, in fact, is.
0: We've talked about this in the the context of Duchenne, but I take it this has much broader implications. What does this say about the potential for this approach to treat other genetic diseases?
1: I think it has huge potential to treat many other diseases, specifically, I think, other diseases, genetic diseases that are caused by duplication. So our approach and our main focus really is towards targeting duplications. I told you in the beginning, I think it is, in theory, possible to begin thinking about any kind of genetic disease. And one of the things I usually talk about when I give a lecture to students or trainees, I think within the next, let's say, three to ten years, we will be able to refine the technology that we can really not just target duplication mutations, but kind of any mutation. I think the question we will be asking ourselves as clinicians over the next decades is how many diseases that theoretically could be treated by repairing a genetic mutation can have a potential beneficial impact on the patient in terms of improving a phenotype. And what I'm talking about here is What is going to be the therapeutic window? How quickly do we need to do therapies such as gene editing for patients in order to be beneficial? And that will be different for every disease. There will be diseases which will be amenable to therapies even later in life because they're reversible. Some diseases you need to maybe treat earlier to make sure that there's not too much damage already done. And that's probably one of the concerns we have for the boys with Buchenne muscle dystrophy. The older you get and the weaker you get, the less skeletal muscle you actually have in your body to target here. We don't know this for sure, but that's currently the way how we think about this. and. But I think that will be a question which clinicians and scientists will answer once we refine of how to actually successfully do this in living organisms
0: uh, as you've mentioned, duchenne is is an issue of of uh, gene duplication rather than a, a deletion.
1: It well no a- it's no actually it's it's only fifteen percent of boys who have a duplication. Most of the other patients actually have either deletion. Stand corrected. Is there any
0: reason to think, though, that CRISPR would be better suited for one type of genetic mutation than another?
1: I think what we know from experiment in cells is that the actual editing of a mutation, meaning cutting out a piece of DNA that contains the abnormal mutation and replacing this with a normal sequence uh, is probably a bit more tricky than just removing pieces of DNA. Simply because the cell cycle uh, and the repair mechanisms of integrating a corrected piece of DNA are different than just uh, repairing it. So but I think lots of scientific experiments happen all around the world to improve this, too, and I think it will take maybe a little bit longer, but eventually we will be able to do all of these things in theory.
0: So you mentioned you, you have various conversations in, in, in the works right now. What, what is the, the, the immediate path forward?
1: The immediate path forward is really for us, And I'm speaking now about the scientific community to demonstrate that genome editing can not only happen in a petri dish in a cell, but in a living organism. In our case, it will be mice. I'm sure other people are working on other animal models. We have to make sure that we can do this, that we can deliver the CRISPR components in a safe and efficient way to a living organism and pretty much replicate our petri dish experiments in animal models. After that is done, we can try to think about how to move this forward into an actual drug.
0: Ron Cohn, principal investigator of the study that appeared in the December 10th online edition of the American Journal of Human Genetics that examined the use of CRISPR to treat genetic disorders and chief of clinical and metabolic genetics and co-director of the Center for Genetic Medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. Ron, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thank you so much for your interest.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org.